You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 133 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week is a very exciting episode. We have a Broadway star for so many reasons. Um, He is a true, true, true triple threat, and he means a lot to me because he uh, he was the leading man in the first ever Broadway show that I'd ever seen, which was Mary Poppins, and uh, just gives unbelievable performances in every show that he's in. When you go see a show, you remember certain things, you know, and he's always the the character or part of the moment that you never that you kind of leave the theater with and and you remember forever um and that's none other than gavin lee we have gavin lee on the podcast this week and a very exciting episode like i said i have a history of you know my my little history uh because i just said it but so many other reasons it's such a fun interview very unique interview as someone i feel like it's the first time ever where i'm interviewing someone from london that came to broadway and kind of hearing that story and that perspective of the industry is quite uh quite interesting and um we had a blast we we really did it's a great episode you're gonna love it um but first before we turn it over to that as always let's talk about some broadway news and by broadway news this week i actually have my own personal news to to announce this week because uh it's just there's been a lot of uh take a bow stuff going on so let's do a little take a bow roundup during to to start off our uh broadway news uh kind of section or segment that we call here on our podcast here at take a bow all right so lots happened this week y'all um (laughs) <laughs> it's been nonstop and my voice is uh is not there and i just did an episode today probably the biggest one of the year and it's gonna uh finish off our year of take a bow very exciting stuff but uh you know my voice is feeling it it's been a long week not much sleep but that's okay because we've been having so much fun thursday since my last episode we went to the opening night of ohio state murders very exciting great time freezing cold though um <laughs> i got to talk to kelly o'hara though andrew keenan bolger and his sister celia and uh a, a bunch of fantastic people there um it was it was absolutely amazing kenny leon and um i didn't talk to the cast this time but obviously we do have the the cast um episode already so you're not really missing anything there because we we just talked to people that were seeing the show and uh we also it was a very very historic night and kind of the reason that i wanted to to go back and continue to do press with these folks here at ohio state murders it was the first ever show to open in the it's weird because it's like not the first ever show to open in the james l jones theater but it is because now it's named james l jones theater even though they've had shows in there but it was formerly known as the court theater so i guess this is the first show 
that I was saying it's the first show that officially opened in the newly named James Earl Jones Theater. And uh, yeah, it was just a historic night. And for that show to, to go in it with a black leading lady, a black playwright, a black director, producers, all the things in a theater named after and honoring a black performer and artist, James Earl Jones, it, it, it was monumental uh, for Broadway. And it's a huge step for Broadway. And we talk a lot about that in these interviews. So it was wonderful. And we play a little game, guessing how many Broadway shows. Um, okay, I, I won't give it away. But um, it, it was it was really fun. That's But that's not for this episode. So I'm not going to give anything away. Anyways, moving on. Friday, we went to Kimberly Akimbo because we were going to support our friend, Skylissa Friedman, big friend of the pod, who made her adult Broadway debut. Very, very exciting. She's a swing in the Kimberly Akimbo. And we've talked about that. And uh, she, she's killing it. And uh, she she was able to go on twice this weekend, actually. So very exciting stuff. Congratulations to her. Oh, and congratulations to everyone over at Ohio State Murders for their opening night. And then Saturday was a two-show day. Uh, Saturday, I had the day off from something that I'm going to announce here after this. Saturday, I had the day off. So I what was I going to do in my day off? <laughs> Not do schoolwork. I went to uh, I went to have my own little two show day. Um, I went to go see Some Like It Hot, and I saw Into the Woods. Y'all, Some Like It Hot. It's it's hard to say this because I have so many friends in Kimberly Akimbo. It may it it may be my favorite of the year. Um, it was so good. Um, it was you know classic Broadway. And I don't use that term loosely, and I mean that term with such respect um, for the, you know, classic Broadway. It, it's just you. It really takes you back. You know, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman are are the composer and lyricist on the show here, and it's just so good. You know, like it's a brand new musical. It's obviously adapted from the movie, but it's a brand new musical, you know, and um, what they were able to craft and make out of this was truly like, it was unlike anything I've seen on Broadway in quite some time. And, you know, I've talked to, uh, on this episode because I, oh, so Sunday, <laughs> I covered the opening of Some Like It Hot. Surprise. I know for all of you um, who follow me on Instagram and, and, and whatever, like, it's no surprise for you. But for those that don't, Sunday, I covered the opening. So when we were talking to the cast and the creative team and all that, you know, we really, really talk about that, which was so lovely and talked about, you know, this sort of how do I say a modern Broadway and um, new Broadway I guess that we could say that we are seeing currently um, with these new shows and and the type of songs and the type of dancing and and, you know they're kind of getting away from the dancing and all that but like this is like you know this is next level stuff and it's wonderful to kind of throw it back a little bit and see this wonderful show it's so fantastic and christian burrell uh jay harrison gee and adriana hicks and the entire cast i mean truly nicest people and also some of the most talented people that i've ever seen on a Broadway stage. I mean, everyone is giving it a throw. They're amazing. And I was so thrilled for a friend of mine, Ian Campagno, who will be on this podcast soon enough, I'm sure. He is a swing over at Some Like It Hot, and he crushed it. And he went on the afternoon that I saw it, because I did see the matinee, and just blew me away just stepping in like that. And then he was able to open the show just so exciting for him. He's thrilled to be back on Broadway. And uh, yeah, just great stuff. I will say, 
the both opening night uh ohio state murders and some like it hot were fantastic and they will be bonus episodes of the show so we're not going to be interrupting our our regular thursdays but uh keep an eye out on social media or just our regular podcast feed wherever you listen to these on uh just keep aware uh keep an eye out for them because we are going to be releasing them midweek we'll probably do one per week uh, and kind of do like a three or four days in between each episode because uh, we don't want to overload it. I mean, four episodes in one week is kind of like a lot. So we'll probably do Sunday or Monday a, a release this week and the following week for these opening nights. And I will say the Some Like It Hot opening night is one not to miss. The conversations were very quick and, you know, there wasn't much to it. It's just an opening night again. But the people that we hear from are unreal. Um, I was just, I was blown away the whole night. Uh, we do get to hear from the cast and it was really, really cool to talk to them. And that's definitely worth a listen. And then we talk to, you know, the, the composers and lyricists, uh, Scott Whitman and Mark Shaman. And we talk to the orchestrator and we talk to the co-writer, uh, Amber Ruffin. And we talked to John Stamos. We talked to Martin Shorts. And guess who freaking makes their Take a Vow debut? Of course, it's on a freaking red carpet. But I was thrilled nonetheless. Matthew Morrison was on the red carpet and on Take a Vow. I am so excited to bring you all that episode. Y'all, it was crazy to see him. It was so much fun. And, uh, you know, he'll he'll come on here soon enough, I'm sure. I, I, I will make it happen if it's the last thing I do. Anyways. So that thing happened, and that was craziness. And then Monday, I know, there was literally something every day. I promise I'm getting to the point. Uh, Monday, Shits Probe. I went to Shits Probe, and that's the <laughs> – sorry. The, I did not curse Grandma, Bubba, and uh, Mimi, who, if you guys are listening to this, <laughs> or my mom. But Shits Probe was fantastic. It's, for those of you who don't know, it's Josh Lehman's – who who was the first ever guest uh, on here of Take a Bow and my dearest, dearest friend from Finding Neverland. He, he has a little improv group that he's in and uh, they fully make, so a sits probe, I've had the, here on here as like a drama dictionary word of the week. A sits probe is the first time you rehearse and perform with the band. So in a rehearsal room, you're you're only rehearsing with like a piano or whatever when you're starting to learn a show and you're mounting a show and putting it up. And then the first day you hear the band and uh, get to sing with them is called a sits probe. Well, this is called a shits probe because it's improvised. So um, it's a bit of a poop show. Um, <laughs> and um, it's the first time that they they ever do it, obviously. And they have a full-on band. You know, they have woodwinds and they have p- uh, piano. They have drums, all the things. It's fantastic. And uh, they literally improvise a musical. So songs, words, all the things, stories. And you you go, you sit down, and they all come out on stage. And they're like, okay, uh, five minutes till showtime. Uh, we need a title. So give us titles. And, and everyone's shouting out titles and whatever they hear. They, like, narrow it down to, like, three or five or whatever. And then they end up picking one. And uh, it was just brilliant. It was just such a wonderful time. My cheeks hurt from laughing. Um, and they do it once a month. And every every time they do the show, they bring in a Broadway star. Um, and this week, who, who, by the way, have, has never done improv or like improvised a musical. And so this month, uh, they had a wonderful guest, Katie Garrity. 
who's currently Little Red in Into the Woods. She's fantastic. She was hilarious. She played Pickles the Elf in Greased Poles. Uh, it was a little play off the North Pole for the holiday season. Well, that's what it turned into, I guess. I get, it could have taken many turns. But yes, it was it was fantastic. It was hilarious. Shit's Probe, go check it out. Go follow them. Go to the next one. Hopefully, we can do something with them. I think it would be so fun for Take About to do like a content piece with them. Anyways, so with that, we had another reunion with, of course, Josh Lehman, but also Jackson DeMont Hill. So shout out Jackson, uh, who is now done it, uh, not done, but on break from school in UC Santa Barbara, I want to say, uh, University of Santa Barbara. And that's where he goes to college. And he was George in Finding Neverland. Uh, so one of my brothers. And uh, it was great. It was great to see him. I sat with him and his family. It was wonderful to catch up. And uh, hopefully we'll have him on the show. And then Tuesday... I went to a Renee Rapp concert. That was crazy. That was a last minute thing. Love Renee Rapp. Uh, incredible stuff. And I'll get to um, another Renee Rapp section here. This is a long intro because there's just so much to talk about. Um, but Renee Rapp's incredible and her concert was amazing. Her music is so great for you, those who have listened to it. You know what I'm saying. You, 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 you get it. And then for those of you who haven't, Go check it out because it's really good. Um, And I'm sure you've seen at least some bits and pieces on TikTok or whatever it is, especially if you are listening to this. You're probably on theater TikTok. So yeah, Renee Rapp's fantastic and so freaking talented. It's unbelievable. But while this was all going on, I am thrilled. I I didn't know that I could release this or I would have released it last episode. I've been doing a reading for a brand new musical and it's been so, so fulfilling and so exciting to um, be back in a room uh, with so many talented people. I mean, we had Shoshana Bean, we we had Elizabeth Teeter, we had Matt DeAngelis, Andrew Kober, Effie, Lauren, all these wonderful people. And I know, I'm sorry, I'm not saying everyone's last name. I don't know how uh, all the last names are pronounced, so I don't want to do them wrong but i mean everyone in the show is currently doing a broadway show everyone is so freaking talented it was unbelievable to be a part of and then of course we had jody pietro who's a two-time tony award uh winner writing this the script and then we had kathleen marshall uh who's a three-time tony award-winning director uh directing the whole thing so it was it was unbelievable and it was so much fun and i had the best time and you all are going to be hearing a lot of it come the new year uh because i'm gonna have a bunch of them on the podcast and we're probably gonna talk about it because it was it was a blast and it was a whole thing and that's why i'm a bit tired but uh you know I have a voice, so I'm doing it. And um, for those of you who don't know, it's called Obsessed. It's the new musical, and it is a biopic, again, of the legendary songwriter Diane Warren. And, um, you know, I'm... I'm not like against the whole biopic thing. And I've said that, but like, I do think Broadway is becoming a bit overpopulated of it. But that's also because it's this, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. And, you know, this particular show, and I don't mean to like knock anyone in the in it's because all of these people that they're making musicals about are are all fantastic and absolutely deserve to have their story to be told everyone deserves to you know have people hear their stories but um diane warren is is something very unique you know there's not usually biopics or, or you don't really hear anything from writers from songwriters you know diane warren wasn't a 
performer or an artist. Like she was an artist, but she wasn't a singer, you know? So uh, she was the songwriter who wrote all kind of number one hits for Cher and Steven Tyler and Leanne Rimes and uh, Tony Braxton and all these fantastic people. And, you know, just to hear her story as a female songwriter in the industry who was kind of behind the scenes, just to hear what she kind of went through is just, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot to say the least. And, and we don't see many of uh, female artists here on Broadway. I mean, right now I can think of a bunch of like, you know, Neil Diamond and all the things. And, and we did just have Tina Turner and we have Britney Spears coming. And we, years ago we had uh, On Your Feet with Gloria Estefan. But, you know, they were all performers and, you know, their whole thing was, oh, this is me on tour and this is me, what it's been like during this time in my life and blah, blah, blah. But now, like we right now, we have a bunch of male artists here and telling their story with MJ and Neil Diamond and, I mean, kind of almost famous. And so, like, to hear this kind of perspective is very, very, very cool. And it's very uh, different. And unlike anything you'll you'll ever hear, I was blown away in these readings. I mean, my mouth, I knew what was coming and my mouth would still like drop because the music industry is wild, y'all. Um, it's just so crazy. So, um, and then I got to meet Diane Warren, which was just so freaking cool uh, after performing her songs. And she, so th- it is a biopic and everything like that, but, and they use some of her songs and whatever, but she also have, has created and written original songs for, for this show. So, um, fingers crossed, you know, something happens with this and, uh, we'll see more of this and more people will be able to hear it. But we had our final, uh, presentation. We had our last day on Tuesday. So yesterday from the time that I'm recording this little intro and that's right. At, and right after that, I ran to Renee rap. So just a wonderful, wonderful night getting to meet new people and working with more people was so fulfilling and being back in a room. I haven't been in a in a minute. I mean, I've been doing like little projects here and there, but like nothing that I can really like, you know, get my hopes up for or nothing that's going to happen like long term. But I think this really is something that could uh, have a future here on Broadway and um, be something really special. If, it, if something were to happen with it. So anyways, that's my little rant. I am so, so lucky to announce that I was doing that and doing a little project for the past couple of weeks. And, you know, it, it was just a blast. Paul Alexander Nolan. I mean, the list went on and on of the people that are uh, A, going to come on the pod and B, that uh, we're, we're just so talented in that freaking room. All right. So... Now, 20 minutes later, um, now that I've stopped talking and ranting about my life, let's talk about some Broadway news, shall we? Y'all, if you don't want to hear it, you can just fast forward if you just want to listen to Gavin. I I, no hard feelings, but I got to talk about Broadway news because there's so much that's happened. And by so much, I really mean a lot of casting announcements, um, but I want to give my take on it. So um, first, before we get to the casting announcements, let's talk about the Tony Awards. So the Tony Awards made the decision that they are going to be moving. Every year, the Tony Awards usually take place at Radio City Music Hall. This year, and uh, moving forward for the time being, it sounds like, they are planning to do it at the United Palace in June. 
And for those of you who don't know, the United Palace is up in Washington Heights. And the United Palace is a theater that Lin-Manuel has been doing a lot of work with lately in trying to save the theater because there were talks that the theater was like being shut down. And he was like, whoa, this is like my home theater. Like, this is where I grew up. This is the theater I like grew up going to. So he's been trying to revive it and, you know, doing things to give back and, you know, save the community and the theater of the United Palace. So with that being said, if Lin-Manuel Miranda is not the host of this year's Tony Awards, I will be shocked. This is like his home, and I feel like he would not want to host anywhere else other than the United Palace. It would just be a missed opportunity. So I'm making the prediction here uh, that Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be hosting the uh, 2023 Tony Awards, which will be taking place and being broadcasted live uh, from the United Palace, as I said, on June 11th of 2023. So everyone mark your calendars. Uh, I'm sure you all saw this announcement, but for those of you who didn't, there you go. June 11th. Very, very exciting stuff. I'm very excited. I'm shocked because, you know, the Tony Awards happen in a much bigger theater uh, often, and that's what they're used to. So I'm excited to see how they uh, make it work with a bit of a smaller space. I mean, it's not that small, but like anything compared to Radio City is pretty small. Um, So yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. So there's that. And then we have some casting announcements. So we got the casting announcements for Sweeney Todd, the Mean Girls movie cast, the Wicked cast, and uh, Bad Cinderella cast. And some of these happened like last week on Thursday, of course, when last episode dropped. But I wasn't able to talk about it. So we're going to talk about it. So very exciting stuff out of Sweeney Todd. Just an absolute stacked lineup uh not only do they have the already announced josh groban annalee ashford uh but they also added jordan fisher ruthie ann miles gaten matarazzo and so many more freaking people the full cast has not been um announced yet but this cast is shaping up to be unfreaking real and i'm so excited to to see this production and believe it or not with this cast when it's like a stellar cast like this it's usually a limited run but there's been no word of whether this is a limited run or not so um it it seems like this is open-ended whether they are just planning on you know this cast being limited run and then seeing what happens with sweeney todd itself um it will be interesting to see but uh yeah for for the time being that's what the the lineup's looking like which is very very excited um of course Jenna DeWall, Nicholas Christopher, uh John Rapson, Jamie Jackson, Maria Bilbao um also were all announced that uh they will be in the in the show for now that's that's it for that and uh then we got the leads of the Mean Girls movie cast incredible casting in every sense of what it means to be a casting director shout out to whoever casted this so Renee Rapp is going to be playing Regina George who she obviously famously played on Broadway she was so freaking good in that so shout out to the casting director for realizing that and casting her in this movie uh, and of course we have Jaquel Spivey or Spivy, I'm so sorry if I pronounced that wrong, who's going to be playing Damien, which is very exciting because Alihi Cravalho will be playing Janice, the two little best friends that uh, 
will be on Katie Heron's side, of course, which will be played by Andre Rice, I believe is how you pronounce it. But very exciting for this wonderful cast announcement. And I'm sure the rest of the cast is just going to be uh, fantastic as well. I'm so excited that they're doing a movie musical. As always, I've always mentioned when I see Broadway in like a bigger um, space, you know, like in a blockbuster movie um it's always great for for the community and for the industry in general so uh shout out to them and then of course we had more wicked casting news with uh, how dare they announce these two at the same time uh kiala settle and bo and yang are going to be in the wicked movie mind blown my mind i was just so thrilled for anyone that listened to the bo and yang episode that i had of take a bow with him you could just tell his love for Broadway um, and how much he just wants to be a part of Broadway. And of course, like he's doing his thing over at SNL and he's a comedic genius, but like he's like loves Broadway and he's a Broadway fan in every sense of the word. So I'm thrilled that he's actually going to be doing like a Broadway-esque movie because, um, you know, he's a movie and TV star now um, on all the things. So thrilled for him that he's going to be doing this. And then they announced that Jeff Goldblum will be playing the wizard. And then did I not know that Ethan Slater as Bach was not announced? I announced that like weeks ago, I think. Am I crazy? Because I swear to God, I I said that on here. uh, And I thought that it was out there. And I may have broken that news without even meaning to so i apologize um but if anyone can find that please let me know because i can't remember what episode it was on but that was crazy i was like they made it broadway world made it like a big post and an announcement for it i was like i swear i announced this <laughs> like weeks ago but um sure yeah that happened um and then of course i want to say a quick congratulations i'm not going to break down everyone to uh carolee carmelo and jordan dobson who are who announced that they will be uh starring in bad cinderella carolee obviously uh, a take a bow guest and family member and jordan dobson who's going to be an upcoming guest here on the podcast a friend of mine and uh who's currently in the beautiful noise the neil diamond musical so he's killing it yeah okay That was so much, but I wanted to shout out all those fabulous people for all of the fabulous work that they've been putting in and, you know, giving them the recognition that they deserve. Congratulations to all of you. And without further ado, (gasps) sorry if I, if you're sleeping already, without further ado, let's turn it over to Gavin Lee. Gavin Lee, curtain up. Okay. Joining us today is a two-time Tony nominee. He has done it all while making sure to leave his mark on the stage with an unforgettable tap routine, leaving audiences in awe. He's a triple threat through and through, and I'm thrilled to chat with him today. Everyone, welcome to Take a Bow, Gavin Lee. Hi, Gavin. Good to be here. I'm glad to be here. Oh my God, I'm thrilled. I was telling you earlier, this is just like a full circle moment for me because Mary Poppins was my favorite Broadway show that I saw and I was able to see you in it. So this is just an absolute treat uh, to chat with you about your career and all of those times. Gosh, it just seems, it seems so long ago now, like Mary Poppins closed. Um, oh my gosh, it closed 10 years ago in uh, February coming up. So and Insane. I seen, remember I started it eight years before that. I was with yeah. that eight years. So it does seem like a lifetime ago for me, but um it was such a long period of my life, you know, it was yeah. the most of my thirties. Um wow. 
I was in Mary Poppins somewhere in the world. Um, <laughs> and it brought me so much. It's the reason, you know, I now live in America. Um, oh. I saw so many, met so many amazing, famous people and did so yeah. many amazing, <laughs> fabulous things because of that job. Um, so it will always be very, very dear to my heart. Yeah, well, I mean, the way I usually like to to start out with this is like asking you, you know, how did all of this start? Like, what got you into theater and what got you into performing? Was it dance? Was it just the performing aspect? Like, take me through your journey of becoming a performer. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, so I grew up about two hours east of London, and uh, I have one older sister, and Mm -hmm. she started going to dance class, um... And I'm, I'm talking a very long time ago. This is like <laughs> late 70s. She started going to um, dance class. And I guess I wasn't very interested in what she was doing in ballet or in jazz or whatever. But then she started doing disco dance lessons. Oh. So she'd come home and I'd go, what did you do today? Show me, show me, show me. Be this annoying brother. And <laughs> to try and learn the routines off her. And then my mum eventually said, would you want to go? And so... My very first lessons were um, disco dancing. You know, I fancied myself as um, John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> and then I used to do, um, back then, they had these massive disco dance competitions. Um, mm-hmm. And we used to travel down to London and my mum would have made me some jazzy disco outfit. Um, and those competitions were real. Unlike dance competitions that many, that most kids that go to dance class, you know, not most, a lot go to, you know, they're competitive and they go to competition. It's right. not like you have a routine and you get to do it solo. Back then for the disco dance championships, you would get onto the dance floor. It would be in a big kind of ballroom and you'd have right. a knife on your chest and you'd just freak out doing your moves and the judges would just come round and tap you on the shoulder when you were out. Oh my God. Uh, and so, yeah, you just use the music would start yeah, and you just go for it and um i was pretty successful a couple of times i think uh but that was my first um experience of a performing and b competition which the theater is all about it is kind of competition as in auditioning and hopefully getting the role and going through callbacks and things like that so uh, maybe i enjoyed that i Mm -hmm. don't enjoy it now i hate auditioning but yeah. then, obviously, there was something that made me go, no, I want to do next year's competition because I want to win. I want, you know, I had that drive. Um, and then, you know, the disco dancing then led on to um, jazz and tap and ball, a bit of ballroom. Um, uh-huh. 
literally when I was maybe 13 or so, my dance teacher was like, you, if you want to do this, which by then I decided this is what I want to do, um, you've got to start doing ballet as well because ballet uh, is the basis for all dance. It gives you the strength, it gives you the technique. Um, right. Never, never really enjoyed ballet, but knew I had to do it. And uh, then at 16, finished school and went off to London to uh, start training um, in, you know, on a three-year course, um, doing song, dance, and acting. You know, every day it was wow. amazing. You know, leaving home at sixteen and living in someone else's house and going to college—it was just mind-blowing, fabulous, and down. Oh my God. It was great. And from there, yeah. from there, lucky started auditioning and eventually got a job. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, absolutely insane. Just how you know the world kind of takes you where you're you're supposed to be. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am curious because it seems like you started as a dancer. When did Disco Gavin know he could sing? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Um, so a year or two after, well, no, probably a year after I'd started doing these these classes, my uh, sister got into the, in English, called Amateur Dramatics, but here we're called Community Theatre. Um <laughs> And so I was suddenly like thrown into that and just loved wow. on the stage as one of the little kids. So I was probably uh, eight or nine when I first set foot on a stage. Um, and then my mum got involved and my dad was on the crew. And then within a year, my dad was in the show as well. So it was a real, for about five years, it really was the whole family. Mum, oh, dad, wow. Friday nights was rehearsal. All day Sunday was rehearsal. Uh, and then, you know, the show week and things like that. And so it was a very big part of my youth. Uh, it was probably my, it was one of my only hobbies, really, doing my dance right. class and then doing rehearsals. Just loved rehearsals for these for these different pantomimes and musicals that we used to put on. Um, and I guess just singing in those shows and doing harmony, you know, you know, the chorus right. do harmony and learning about harmony. I never, I, I, I played an instrument a couple of, for a couple of years at school, but was never very good. And I have to say, even now, I still can't really read music very well. Yeah. Uh, most musical theatre actors have gone to college and they've done music class and they know how to read music and they can sight read. That's not me. I'm always yeah. in rehearsal when they when we're doing harmony. I'm like, let me record it on my phone. Don't even ask me to do it today because then they right. go. Like, Let's go back to the beginning and see how we are. I'm like, I, I haven't got any of this. I can't read the music, but I'll go home tonight. I will listen to it for six hours and I'll come back and I'll be perfect. So. Um, thank God for, you know, voice recorders and phones that can just record oh, yeah. these days. Um, back in the day, it used to be a, a, a Sony Walkman. <laughs> yeah, so so the singing, the singing and the acting kind of came more when I went to college. Um, okay. College back then wasn't, was primarily dance. And so I felt mm. I was training to then hopefully be in the chorus of a West End show sure. uh, in London. That was the dream. Um, and I guess it was just through working in shows and getting to be an understudy and then taking a few singing and acting lessons while I was in shows that then hopefully I learnt the skill of singing and acting. But definitely sure. dance was where I started. Dance has been, you know, 95% of all the shows I've ever done. I've been dancing yeah. in them and generally with tap shoes on as well. Uh, <laughs> But I love, I do love the acting side. I love, you know, um, trying to find, usually I'm trying to find the humor. I like to, I like to try and be funny. I like to try right. the audience laugh. So most of the roles I've had, even if 
sometimes it's a leading role in something that say singing in the rain or crazy view that isn't particularly the hilarious part right and that i i do really try to get humor in all my roles um yeah and i'm playing uncle max in sound of music at the moment at the paper mill and and he is the guy with all the gags and so mm-hmm. it's been fun trying to get the, play those lines to get the audience reaction i just love it Oh my God. Well, that's brilliant. You mentioned like, you know, at least doing tap in some form when you're on stage usually, but is that like your favorite style of dance or is it just happen to be like taps what happens to just be on stage? I guess that was always my favorite. And the fact that all all the shows I've been in uh, almost, you know, I'm tapping. Um, it's, it's, It's nice that sometimes, you know, People say, oh, one of the best tap dancers we have at the moment. And, and I'm the first to say, I am clearly not. Right. Um, I watch some, I, you know, I watch YouTube and, and Instagram posts of people's tap classes. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so insane. I'm, I'm not a rhythm tapper. I'm an old style um, uh. tapper. And, and uh, so I'm known for doing lots of tap and tap shoes that we're into sure. tap shoes on, uh, clearly. Um <laughs> but I'm really not a brilliant tapper. I've 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 kind of uh, bluffed my way through uh, all these shows, um, and I love it. And I feel very lucky that I'm now over fifty. And touch wood, my knees and my ankles and my toes still aren't are still tapping yeah. because I I'm a very loud, stampy tapper as well. And um, so I can't believe that my knees haven't gone. Nope, we're done. Uh, yeah. So touch wood, I'm still very lucky that uh, over 50, I can still put two tap shoes on and make quite a nice sound. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it's brilliant. Anytime I see, feel like you have tap shoes on, it's just something <laughs> amazing is about to happen. And, and that was the case in Mary Poppins, you know, like, Bert, that's one of the most iconic, I mean, arguably the best part of the show when Bert is tap, like going up sideways and then tapping upside down. Yeah. I mean, when, I I just need to ask you after being a part, like I was in the second national tour of Mary Poppins. So like being a part of that, like how did that come to fruition and how is that uh, process made into the show? Well, the um, one of the choreographers, uh, Mary Poppins originally was choreographed by Matthew Bourne and Stephen Meir. And Mm -hmm. Stephen Meir I'd been friends with for years. We'd been in a couple of shows together. He's choreographed me in various shows. Um, He's a great tapper. Um, he was one of the people on the creative that was really pushing for me to get the role in the first place. Um, and then, and so I knew step in time was going to be a nice big tap routine. Uh, and being Bert, I was going to, it's great. It was was very exciting. I was going to be, you know, probably slap bang in the middle for most of it. And it was going to be great. Just watching the movie with Dick Van Dyke, how brilliant that number is in the movie, but it's not actually a tap number in the movie. Um, so my thoughts were like, it's going to be like that, but with tap shoes as well, it's just going to be amazing. And before rehearsal started, um, I was asked to go, you always get, usually before rehearsal started, you might get asked to go in for a wig fitting or a a very first, get your measurements for costumes, you know, and the stage management called me up um, just before rehearsal was going to start and said, we need to call you in for a harness fitting. And Oh, fabulous. Because I'm thinking, well, of course, Mary Poppins is going to fly. At one point, she's going to hold my hand and we're both just going to rise up, you know, above the clouds and above London town. Um, It's excited. 
I go to my harness fitting and then they show me the harness. They put it on me and they measure me and, and they show me that on the hips, oh, you're going to have these connections which can go 360, 360 degrees. So then oh. I'm like, why? I'm, am I just not going to go up and down? And, then, and the harness people were like, we don't know, but we have to right. fix you with a harness that can, can spin. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, and there's nothing God. in the script. I've got the script and it doesn't say at this point, Bert flies upside down or anything like that. And, right. um, so then I get to rehearsals and no one's really talking about me flying or anything. And then I'm asked to go to the Prince Edward Theatre. We're rehearsing in a rehearsal room. Prince Edward Theatre, they're getting the set in. And I get asked to go to the Prince Edward Theatre um, and Cameron McIntosh is there. And oh I want you to just come and stand in the middle of the auditorium. And randomly, the theater was having a, a refit, so they'd taken all the seats out. So it just oh was really God. strange to me. It was like I was walking into a giant kind of roller rink, uh, right. like a sloping roller. And there, there was the stage, but there was no seats. So it was just, it was just surreal. And <laughs> in the middle of the auditorium, and he said, I want you to watch this girl. And they'd got an aerialist in, a, a, a young... Um, small little girl that not girl a lady that i think was right. the soleil or something and she was an expert with aerial stuff and mm -hmm. she just she was connected up and here was the the stage the the proscenium going like this um yep. side and she walks to the proscenium arch and she walks up and then she turns upside down and she gets travelated across the top of the theater upside down oh my a nice degrees turn and she walks down the other side of the proscenium arch and my jaw just hit the floor and Cameron me and goes, so darling, do you think you can do that? And I said, well, I want to do that. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I'm just that it looks so spectacular. And she wasn't tapping. She was literally just right. kind of being a body, being taken by the wires and the computer and the machine to where you needed to go. And then oh I got back to the castle room, all excited. And they built me this swing frame. Um, like a swing frame without a swing on it, without the seat, just the two chains. So I could stand on a chair with my harness on, clip myself up to my hips. Right. And then turn myself upside down, move the chair away. And then my feet would be on a platform at the top of the swing frame. And uh -huh. I, they left me in a room, Stephen Meir and Matthew Bourne said, we don't know what you can do upside down with tap shoes on. So go into a room on your own and work it oh out. Oh my God. And as an actor that you feel great that you are really part of the process of creating something. And yeah, Stephen and Matthew were very much like that, just the same as Chris Catelli was in SpongeBob, with me having four four feet and four yeah. shoes. He was like, I don't know what you can do with four tap shoes. Go into a room and work out. So I've been very grateful to those choreographers for being so generous to the actor, saying, "Go and work it out. And show me what you got." So I used to have about half an hour at a time in a room upside down. And of course, you can only you can only hang upside down for about a minute before the before all the bloods rush to your head and you feel sick. Right. So I'd be working something out, stamping upside down on this platform, and then I'd be woozy. So I'd flip myself back the other way and I'd just hang there for a bit. And a, a member of stage management would be in the room and would hand me my water. And it was really sweaty, just hanging upside down and trying oh to work stuff God. out. I showed Stephen and Matthew the stuff, and they loved it. And they they of course as choreographers tweaked it a little. Right. And then, it, then, of course, all that skill that I'd learned went out the window when suddenly you're not just on a swing frame in a rehearsal room. You're hanging 35 feet up in the air, <laughs> hard stage, 35 feet down on, you know, on the ground that could kill you if the wires snapped and all that, you know, that yeah. all through your head. And I'm, you know, I'm promised that each wire that's holding up, holding me up can carry 10 times my weight. And right. 
And if the pa- I was like, what if the power fails in the theater right. and the wires just go and let me out and I just crash onto my head and crush myself to death? You know, yeah. that's dramatic about it. And they promised me that the way these, um, ha- uh, these machines work that roll, you know, with wires, they have locks on them. They're sprung loaded. So if the power goes, you need power to make the locks come off. So if the power uh. goes, the locks will just clamp those wires forever until there's power again. So that made me feel better. Right. And then, yeah, it just took a good few sessions of hanging upside down and getting used to it and not being scared. Um, yeah. It became just such a brilliant highlight of Mary Poppins that, and I was the lucky actor that got to create that. Um, right. I'm so, I feel so happy and blessed that they came up with this idea and 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 it was Bert that was going to do it and I was the guy that got to be the first Bert and um so that's always something that I treasure that I made that up you know right that those steps up I don't know whether now in in uh, future productions whether you know the Bert has changed the choreography but I know for the whole original run around the world of that show it was that choreography and um I had a nice big part in creating that and it's just Fabulous. And, and of course, you can see it on YouTube. You, you know, they've they right. recorded it at the New Amsterdam at one point. So you can you can watch it on Disney somewhere and it'll be there forever, you know, for my kids to see and things like that, which is really cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's one of the coolest things ever. Like that in like Mary Poppins going over the audience is oh. like every time it happened, it's just like you at least heard one gasp in the audience, you know? And it's amazing how the amount of people that said, oh, I saw Mary Poppins. And when when I saw it, she flew right over my head. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like everyone in the audience thinks she flew right, which is which <laughs> a great illusion if they felt that. But, you know, her path up over the orchestra and then up past the two balconies, you know, right. probably only went over about 30 <laughs> heads out of 1,600 people. Um, right. Love that everyone goes, she went right over my head. And and, <laughs> it's, and and the amount of people said I had tears in my eyes. And Oh, and, yeah. It's a magical show. It was just magical to be part of and to get to do it, you know, in two different continents, uh, in yeah. many theatres in America, because I did the national tour as well. And uh, so, yeah, just a brilliant show that I was so lucky to be part of. And I managed to eke eight years of my life. Uh, years. You know, as a, as a working actor, you never get that long with a show. You just pray that your show's not going to close, you know. So, right. So it was a, a, an amazing treat to get. To oh, oh, my God. I got to ask you, Super Cal, mm-hmm. do you think you could still do Super Cal? Oh, my God. That, that will never leave my body. Yeah, right? That's so real. Uh, C-A-I-R-F-R-A-G-I-L-I-S-T-I-C-E-X-P-I-A-L-I-D-O-C-I-O-U-S. You still, oh, my God. You still got it. it, it will you can't forget it. Yeah. Never leave us. And when I do a concert occasionally, they always ask me to do a Mary Poppins medley and always finish with that. So I do actually do it occasionally. But like, wow. The year I just pull out that choreography and um, it's in. I don't have to think about it. It's It's just there. And... It's it was so fun working it out. Um, yeah. When you rehearsed, whether they in the rehearsal room they put all the letters up on the mirror, oh, yeah. you know, because you because you were still learning how to spell it. You hadn't learnt it. S U P E. You hadn't learnt the song properly, and they all right. were throwing choreography on you. So we had all the letters um, on all the mirrors that are down one side of the rehearsal room, so you could just follow the letters and go, oh, what position do they want me to make for the U? Oh, what position for the P? And so. 
we le- we only learn about five letters a day. That's what we did at the end. Really? We would, a day of rehearsal, we were like, everyone together, we're all going to learn this, because at that point, everyone was going to do it in the finale as well. So every wow. cast member came together at, say, five o'clock. Five till six o'clock was letters rehearsal, and we'd just try and get the angles of all these letters uh, perfect. And right. You know, it came about because um, Stephen Mears' boyfriend is is deaf. He's a, oh. he's a choreographer as well, a, a very talented, award-winning choreographer. Um, but... Stephen just thought it would be fun to try and use uh, deaf sign language, and then and then realised that those those movements with your finger, are, you know, to make those letters are far too small. So it then became, well, let's use a whole body. But that's where right. the idea of spelling out the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious with your body came from. Oh my god, I had no idea. That's fascinating. And and were those letters like uh, the choreography was already there like before you guys even started learning it or was it kind of something you all kind of came up with Uh, i remember uh, no the um the two choreographers and the assistant choreographer jeff garrett um worked it all out and okay they worked it all out in the mirror and the weird thing is there's a couple of letters that because they worked it out in the mirror for the audience they're actually backwards really yeah like oh my god uh, S- the p see this this p for me is the right way oh, round. right and in the mirror it looks the right way round but for the for you now this p that i'm making is the wrong way round yes but it's because they wow. did the mirror and they weren't thinking and then we all started learning it and then someone went wait a minute this you know this p is the wrong way round and they went too late now <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious oh my god it can't change it right yeah, so wow, they, I they it all out, and then we all came in, and they we were just the guinea pigs, and they and we learnt it so slow, and they I guess they had no idea that we'd be able to then make those speed up, speed it up, because you know, as in the song, it just keeps getting faster and faster, and you can once it's in your body, you can do it as fast as you like. You know? Yeah, truly, it, it's wild. I I feel like I that's like the only piece of choreography I remember from like any of my shows, but it's just that for some reason that stuck. Yeah. Like I don't understand. Yeah. It's so cool, though. I, I Mary Poppins is, is so great, and and it's just another classic. And 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 then after a few years later, I mean, your most recent Broadway show was just another classic, you know, that everyone knows in SpongeBob. Yeah, you played Squidward, and you mentioned, you know, tap dancing with four legs, and just like what you did on that stage on a nightly basis is just incredible. What was that whole thing like with the four legs and figuring out, you know? what this is going to be even like let alone walking like not even tapping just like how did you figure out how to walk in those yeah i mean i had um a kind of a rehearsal pair of legs you know that were really okay. big. they were just they were um what were they? they were they basically got two pairs of jeans and sewed them together and put fake foam legs in two of the legs oh you know, with um with a pair of shoes on the end so I uh-huh. put these jeans on and like put a belt on them, keep them really tight because they just, you know, the weight of them, they just want to pull down. So, you know, sure. you're really tight. And then I just worked for hours and hours with um, David Zinn, the, um, the designer of the set and the costumes on how to make, because they made a first set of legs. And in the mirror, I turned sideways and I'm like, they, they, the legs, the fake legs were kind of coming out of my butt. They kind of came uh. out on my butt um and you're like oh but then it looked like it was two legs coming out my butt it didn't look i wanted it to look like 
I had four identical legs, like the cartoon. Right. Like, you know, Squidward in the cartoon, he has two tentacles as arms and he has four tentacles as legs. Right. And so we just worked with the tape measure and trial and error to get those, the knee joints and the ankle joints and the thickness of the thighs exactly the same as my legs. So that wow. when I did a slight squat uh, in profile in front of the mirror, my legs and those back legs looked identical. And I always said, if I could have, my, my, my ideal was if I could have turned my torso 180 degrees, right. those fake legs would have looked like my legs. Um, right. And I think, you know, it took a long time of adjustment, so many adjustments. Can we take this bit of elastic up half an inch? Can we put an extra bit of padding just behind here to push this bit of leg out? And, and then once we had these made, and, we, and you know, they were made of elastic Velcro, um, back supports and things like that. Uh, uh, and so that it was really tight and secure on my body. Um, and then I just spent hours in front of the mirror just for the walk. Like if I walked normally and let those legs do what they wanted, they cut yeah. the, the back feet kind of tilted up a bit and you could tell that, oh, I was walking and there were two random legs behind me. Right. I wanted it to look again like the four of them were doing the work and if I could have turned my top half round, you wouldn't have noticed which were the real ones, which were the fake ones. Unbelievable. It took a, the walk became a kind of always a slight demi-plie to walk along. Yeah. And that turnout that you need to make the four shoes ha be equal, you know, right. your body, just like the cartoon, you know, he like his, yeah. his tentacles kind of make a cross on the floor. And I wanted to make sure whenever I stood, it looked like that. So it was a lot of me staring in the mirror and walking around a rehearsal room on my own. And then Chris Catelli says, and now I want you to tap. And um, right. he's like, I want you to tap with four tap shoes. I mean, you could just have taps on your front feet, but why don't you put taps on the back ones and see what you can do? And oh, just like I said, like Stephen and Matthew in um, Mary Poppins, Chris, the choreographer, was like, go into a room, work something out and show me what you got. And which made me feel so happy that I was getting to right. create something that was going to be there forever in the show um and i worked a whole routine out and he came and looked at it and he <laughs> i made it too long i was kind of like i want my solo to be five minutes you know <laughs> and he's like that's good just up to there we don't need the rest of it i was like ah <laughs> um, and um he of course as a choreographer he tweaked it and changed it said this angle's wrong can you do this you know because you know he's a choreographer he's the expert and uh -huh. um, yeah we came up with this fabulous routine that i again just like bert in mary poppins i was the lucky actor that got to do that fabulous yes. step in time tap routine with all the other chimney sweeps and get to do the walk around the ceiling unbelievable i got to be the character the, the actor that played this character that had a brilliant 11 o'clock number you'd be yes. waiting for squidward to have his turn for the whole show he kept getting shut down Every time he yeah. tried to sing, someone came on and went, shut up. <laughs> then to this number that just grew and grew and became like the biggest Broadway number you've ever seen. Um, yeah. It, you know, with big Squidward, you know, showbiz lights coming down and a, and a chorus of sea anemones all with all these eyes and extra hands and feet and everyone tapping and bright light, brilliant. showbiz, showbiz, showbiz. It was just an absolute pleasure and a treat that again i was the actor that got got that given to me handed on a plate you know right and i i will never have 
I know I will never have that applause, that rush of absolute joy from the audience at the end of that number. Oh, yeah. Slamming on me and the rest of the cast that were in that number. It wasn't just me. You know, was, there was 15 of us on stage. Um, right. But the applause and the cheers and the roar of approval. At yeah. the end of that number, we used to have to hold that in position. Like on opening night and closing night, it was ridiculous. I think we held yeah. it for two minutes. Oh, um, my God. And just the cheers and, and to get us get. Sometimes we've got a standing ovation in the middle of in the middle. Right. Of, and I know that as an actor, I will never have that feeling that it was like a wall, a wall of energy would hit you at the yeah. end of that number because they were giving you so much back, the audience, because they'd enjoyed that number so much. And yeah. I'm like, I'm never going to feel this again. I'm never going to be given oh. a role that has been written so well and a song that has been wrote, written and choreographed so well. And I yeah. have to be in the center of that song and that part. Um, so yeah, forever grateful. And to them, the, all the numbers you could have picked for the Tony Awards, they picked my because it, because I'm, you know, it was the most spectacular. And so to, to stand there at the Tonys oh, the yeah. city with the, you know, all the audiences, all your peers, all the important people in, to you in the world are out there that could give right. you jobs or, you know, are wanting your job. You know, it's just like full yeah. of, very important people. I mean, the nerves I had for oh, I can't imagine Bob performance at the Tonys were way, way worse than eleven years earlier when I did um, the Mary Poppins. Uh, really? Oh yeah. I think it's because I started all on my own. I, you know, I started with Squidward on his own, singing "I'm Not a Loser," and right. <laughs> I kind of felt I was it, uh, I was more central to the number than than the Mary Poppins uh, routine sure. did, which had everyone in it, of course. And um, so, yeah, the nerves were awful that day, just awful. Oh my god, I felt so. It was, Why am I here? I don't want to be here, but of course I did. Want to. <laughs> the Tony was amazing, of course. Um, and, and like you said, you know that rush, you just got to get through it, and it'll be the best feeling of your life. And just that thing of when you're you're so nervous and so dry that your that your lip your top lip sticks to. Yeah. The- <laughs> And there's one point you look close near the end of the number where I literally have to like prize my top lip off my teeth. Oh my word! I'm, my mouth is so dry, and ah, uh, but it was again getting to dance at Radio City Music Hall is pretty right. special. Yeah. yeah. See, you are the actor that is just so brilliantly talented that gets and gets the honor of playing the role first. That all everyone who plays the role after you just despises uh, <laughs> because of how brilliant you are and your skill set is and the way that you uh, created the role. Like, I can't imagine being an understudy for Squidward and having to just like learn all of that over again and just like start from scratch. You know, it's just, it, it's brilliant. Everything that you did with it, it was, it was truly a performance like to never forget. And that's the thing about it. Like you say the rush and everything it, it's, it got the most response because it was the one moment of the show where like, everyone was watching it didn't matter if you were 80 years old and had a didn't have a care of a world for what spongebob is or the story mm-hmm. that it was telling or if you were literally two years old a baby you were just mem- mesmerized by your performance and what you were able to do with that costume and those legs it was just absolutely incredible seriously so uh, you. i'd say you know oh i'm the lucky guy i'm the lucky guy but and another um thing is if you notice in spongebob david zinn's designs you know, 
thank God he didn't put us all in like zip up full skin costumes like you know right. wasn't a square sponge i wasn't actually a squid <laughs> yes <laughs> thank god you know we were he was like no and tina landau the director and creator of the spongebob musical was like you're not you you just she would say you have the dna of the cartoon characters but you are human beings even right. if you might refer to you as a fish or an animal under the sea you're the human version and right. so with davidson's costume designs Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, SpongeBob looked like a, I don't know, 17-year-old kid who worked in a burger place. He yeah. had, like, the yellow t- the yellow shirt on and the, and, the, and the pants that looked like square pants, you know, but... He wasn't actually a sponge, but right. I was the again the lucky actor that they did feel off for Squidward. He does need to have two extra legs, so yeah. I'm the only character that has something abnormal on his body. Yeah. Everyone else was purely human, you know. Even Mr. Krabs, he wasn't a crab; he was a human, and he had giant red boxing gloves on yeah. to represent his claws as a crab. But I was, I literally had two extra legs. And so, again, I feel I was the lucky actor that had the memorable costume, you know? Yeah. So I've had a, a lot of luck in the roles I've played. There's been something about them that has made, has stuck out in the show. So mm-hmm. you become, oh, isn't Gavin Lee brilliant? But I'm the one, I'm saying... No, the character I got to play and the things that character got to do were brilliant. And you have to remember that. Yes, I had to make that work. But how lucky was I that I got given the opportunity to tap dance upside down on the ceiling or to tap four legs on. And so, yeah, just feel very lucky with the roles I've created. I've always had something a little bit peculiar about them that makes people just remember them forever. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm curious, you know, like with SpongeBob too, like it was one of those shows that was just like a household name. Everyone knew about it. And it's like same with Mary Poppins, but Mary Poppins, you know, it already had music in the movie and everything. So people can see it as a musical. With SpongeBob, I feel like there were like lots of question marks going in. And then you guys were able to make something that was so brilliant and so much fun to to just be an audience member and, and, and just watch. When you found out that you had an audition for SpongeBob, and you were going to play Squidward with like what was that reaction like like how is they make it a musical and then what was the process of I guess like developing it and finding what works as a musical yeah I I mean you know I have to say and a lot of people would say that you know when I when my agent said you have an audition for Spongebob they're going to make a musical I was like I roll (laughs) I was just like this sounds awful Right. Like then they weren't even calling it the Spongebob Musical. It was just called the Tina Landau Project because she was the director and creator. Yeah. But you, and they changed the names. Um, I think Spongebob was called Bubble Butt. And I can't remember what my character was called, you know, Grumpy Pants or something. It it wasn't that, but I don't remember what it was. But I was like, I called my agent and went, is this Spongebob? You know, and they were like, yeah, yeah. But they're keeping it all very hush, hush, quiet because they don't know whether it's feasible, whether it's, something anyone wants to see whether it's can work and right. so immediately i um because i wasn't really a spongebob fan i've seen maybe one or two episodes so immediately i pulled up spongebob on the tv and watched a few episodes to get the idea of the character and recorded his voice um on my phone so that oh. then i could listen to his voice doing the tv show and then try and copy that to put that into the script i've been given because we weren't giving us we weren't given a script from a, t- a tv episode it was a br- you know the spongebob musical is a brand new script nothing to do with any yeah. of the tv episodes and uh i went in to my audition and tina landau immediately made us all feel at ease because she said just so you know before you do your audition i'm not looking for a carbon copy of squidward i would like you to have the essence but if you haven't got the voice at the moment or I might not want you to do the voice at all. I don't know. Everything is up in the air. So immediately that right. makes you go, oh, good, because I'm not an impressionist. I can't do right. a good impression of anyone. Um, that's not <laughs> what I do. So ask me, to, you know, thank God they didn't say, we want you to be Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. They didn't. Right. They wanted to be my version. Thank God, because yeah. I can't do that. You know, I'm not an impressionist. So I did my thing and... Um, uh, they also, in the, that first audition, they said, we'd like you to come in with a talent, which again made oh. me eye roll because in the audition outside, you know, people had their guitar, they had all their instruments. Someone had skateboard and rollerblades and someone was juggling. So anyone who had a talent, Tina wanted to see it. I ain't got no talent. <laughs> I got something <laughs> extra. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I can, I'll dance. I'll do, if I'm a squid, I'll do a stupid dance. But I also yeah. didn't want to, I didn't want to finish my audition and have her go, okay, what's your talent? And then just have to do like a dance to no music, looking like mm-hmm. a football. But luckily, my piece of script that I had for my audition is a piece of script that didn't actually make it into the show. Um, it was okay. never a script that I had in, in the end. But it was... <laughs> SpongeBob and Squidward sitting outside of an audition waiting to go in. And oh. SpongeBob was just annoying Squidward and Squidward was like, shut up and trying to find my character and all this sort of thing. And there's no way you're going to get it, that sort of thing. Ugh. 
And then the script ended with someone saying, oh, Mr. Squidward or Mr. Grumpy Pants, um, would, would you come in now? So I was like, oh, uh-huh. great. So I said, at the end of my script, I'm going to go straight into my talent. And they were like, right. okay. Because I thought I can link it to the scene rather than just having to do a stupid dance routine. Right. Link it to this audition, this audition that Squid was doing. So it worked perfectly. They, you know, the script ended and I went into right. this ridiculous, stupid dance routine that I thought a squid would do and yeah. it finished and Tina she stood up she applauded me which make as an actor in an audition makes you feel great that you're doing something right and she went yeah. everyone else in the room she went that is exactly the sort of movement we're looking for in this show because they didn't have a card for anything by that point um okay and she went that was perfect brilliant and so I left the room feeling really great there and I think it was just the fact that she'd seen that I was willing to make an absolute fool of myself because the routine, right. the routine I did was just the most stupid moves I could think of. Um, right. And then, a, you know, a couple of callbacks um, and, and uh, doing various different things, but then it ended up being offered the role. And um, wow. we, of course, did the tryout in Chicago, which okay. was brilliantly, and the show was brilliant. Um, but then we had no theatre to come into. So we were all told, mm. even before we got to Chicago, while we were in rehearsals, we were told we're not going straight to Broadway because there's no theatre available. Not, not enough shows had closed on Broadway for us to then take the theatre. So we right. did Chicago knowing that it was just going to be Chicago. And then we had to wait a whole year, a whole year before we were all then getting our agent, agents calling saying, it's happening. They've got a theatre on Broadway. You start rehearsals, you know, July, whenever. Um, right. And it was, a, it was a really long wait. And we lost a few people along the way because, you know, they got mm. other jobs. Um, right. There were a few new cast members, um, but then we were up and running and we opened on Broadway. And just like me with my original audition, audiences didn't really want to come in the beginning. I think audiences, really? Broadway audiences thought it was a, this, what's this rubbish doing on Broadway? Right. And it was word of mouth and it was brilliant um, reviews that we got from, we got nearly five stars from every single newspaper and outlet, you know, it yeah. was brilliant reviews, which made people go, Oh, Oh, I'll go and see this SpongeBob thing then. And I guarantee you, 50% of the audiences that were walking into the theatre were thinking, what the hell am I doing here? This is not going to be my thing. And I, I'm guaranteeing 95% of the audience walked out going, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. Because yeah. it was just so creative and, and, and brilliantly done. And it, you right. were sitting watching the cartoon. You were seeing a really creative piece of theatre for all ages and we were just all so damn proud of it it was just yeah brilliant and and you know the how then we got all these award um nominations and the houses start filling up and it was just amazing and we basically just got kicked out of the theater because they had a clause in the contract that they you know the palace theater that we were in is still three years on from the show is being raised and they're doing a whole de- redevelopment with the theater and so we kind of got kicked out of the theater before our time um mm-hmm. but you know that's the way showbiz goes and oh uh, yeah of course amazingly we all thought we were done and a whole year after that we all get an email saying nickelodeon want to to remount the show and record it for nickelodeon tv and we were like mind blown and i think yeah. the best moment in that whole experience with for me was walking back into the rehearsal room a year after we'd finished on broadway and the, everyone being there and oh. it's just going, 
oh my god we get to do it again and we just all had two weeks rehearsal to remember it all and do it all again and we went and recorded it in a theater wow nickelodeon and it was just an amazing experience it was the show that just kept giving it was like every year like oh we get an email or a phone call saying <laughs> we'll do it again and and so um yeah it, again another brilliant experience for me yeah who knows maybe next year you'll get an email saying hey you want to do it again <laughs> They want to do something on the moon. Do you want to do it? Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be brilliant. I have to admit, like, I was one of those people that were just like, oh, I, I'm not like a SpongeBob fan to begin with, you know? Like, I'm not someone who watches the, the TV show or anything. And I was just like, SpongeBob, a musical, blah, blah, blah. And, and the only reason I went, same, was, you know, all my friends went and said that it was a great time. And I was like, you know what? Probably should go see it because why not? And, uh, absolutely loved it probably went three four times to, uh, back just to to see it again and it was brilliant i was able to see uh curtis as spongebob too uh, that's yeah. another reason i went back yeah like it's so much of it was just so brilliant and ethan and you and all the performances were just so uh, like unforgettable i mean truly it was just so brilliant your cast was so talented uh, and uh yeah, it was ridiculous. I, I'll never forget, like, the first time I saw Ethan. It just incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, He's a very, very talented guy. Yeah, for sure. As, as and, we cast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, like, just, like, now, like, thinking back, like, with you starting out in England and that's where you're from and everything, like, was ever, like, moving here and performing on Broadway, like, ever in – ever a thought for you like what is no 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 being being british you know i knew that you can't just come to new york and start auditioning you know there's right there's immigration laws and visas that need to be gotten green cards which you know unless you've got a special reason you ain't getting a green card so it wasn't even on the cards it was just you know growing up i just wanted to be in the west end which of course for any of your listeners that don't know you know in London, it's not called Broadway, it's called the West End. Um, so, right. But it's the same. You know, people say, what's the difference between Broadway and the West End? And I say, when you walk through the stage door, it's the same. There's the stage stage door guys still there and the, the crew, you know, <laughs> some of them are happy, some of them are grumpy. Some of the cast members are brilliant and have a great work, work ethic. And some of the cast members, you're like, you don't deserve to get this job because you're lazy. You know, it, it's, it's the same. It's the same. But um, my dream was just to be in the West End. And I was very lucky to... I don't know, done seven or eight West End shows. And and then Mary Poppins, you know, getting Mary Poppins, which opened first in London. Um, right. I didn't, wasn't even thinking that I could perhaps be taken to Broadway with it, you know. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were, we were a year and a half into the West End run and I knew that um, auditions were happening on Broadway and I'd say right. I would be interested, not thinking that, thinking they'll just get a, a, a whole American cast. And right. then I come off and I, I knew, and I was told that I was in the running, me and Scarlett Strallen, who was the second um, Mary Poppins in London, who's now lives over here as well and has done Broadway shows, um, a wonderful Mary Poppins. We were both told we were kind of the benchmark. And, um, but if they found someone better or of equal talent they would take them because they they're american and they're in america right. easier um and i came off from a show and i knew it was the final callbacks on, on broadway and as i came off all sweaty from the finale my phone rang <laughs> in the dressing room and cameron mcintosh was calling from new york 
and he said just wanted to let you know that we've decided um we want to bring you to broadway and i was oh on the floor and i was like oh my god and, yeah <laughs> uh unfortunately for scarlett they they they'd found ashley brown who was the original mary poppins uh on broadway who's amazing and a very good friend yeah. of mine um so I got to come all on my own with a and wow. rehearsals all over again with a brand new Broadway cast. Everyone was everyone else was new. Wow! Um, but the amazing thing for Scarlett is, m- me and Ashley did two years on Broadway, and then we both went out on the national tour, and then okay. Scarlett got asked to come and do Broadway. So uh, she did come and play Mary on Broadway anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just uh, originally I was coming. I had a year's contract to open the show on Broadway, and. Right. Me and my wife, you know, my wife is American, but we okay. lived in London um, and she was in Phantom of the Opera at the time in, in London. So oh. she had to leave the show because of me. Um, we um, and I guess we thought we were going for the year. We had a house yeah. in London and we just had, you know, friends living in a house while we were away. And then I signed another year. Then me and my wife <laughs> both went off on the national tour. We were both in it on the national tour. And, oh and then... Yeah, we just end up staying here. So we've been here since 2006. And uh, wow. I've been back. I did went back to London to do Top Hat in 2013 for a year. And, yeah. and I've just got back from London. I just did the brand new production, Disney production of Beauty and the Beast for a year. Yeah. Um, so I have been back a couple of times. But, you know, our house is here. My my We live here. My kids go to school here. So uh, wow. So my- even like pandemic and everything, you were here too? Yeah. Yeah, wow. pandemic. We, um, yeah, no, I've lived, I've, I've lived here since two thousand six. Apart from, as I say, wow. two years that I went back for a job. Amazing. And uh, and after the pandemic of not working for so long, this playing Lumiere in Disney's brand new production of Disney uh, of Beauty and the Beast came up. Mm-hmm. So, because I hadn't been working for a year and a half, um, I kind of had to take it. I was very pleased to take it, but sure. my wife Em and the kids stayed here for the year. Um, so it was a really hard year, but it was an amazing mm. show that ended up at the London Palladium, which is kind of like the best theatre in London. Um, yes. And I just finished, and fingers crossed, you know, that production makes its way to Broadway eventually. Um, and sure. fingers crossed, I will be playing it. Okay, so fingers crossed, nothing's, nothing's set in stone, but um, keep your fingers crossed. We're manifesting, your, yes. Fingers crossed for me, because it was a brilliant role to play. Oh yeah! Again, again, Lumiere is um, like those other roles I've played. You get to be the guy that actually has flames coming out of his hands. Yeah, right. <laughs> you get to be the guy that fronts be our guest, which is the best number in the show. And so it's again, I, I I've been gifted these roles that have something a little bit special about them. So it's not necessarily yeah. me, it's just the role has it. And so I get to do it. And um, I mean, I don't know, because I feel like you have to have that special skill set, you know, like there's a reason that it continues to happen to you. Uh, maybe, maybe. But yeah, but yeah, Be Our Guest was a, a phenomenal number to, it doesn't actually end act one. It feels like it should end act one, but then there's another 15 minutes after that. But, right. you know, it's the, the the best number in the show and it, and Matt West, uh, the uh, our director choreographer just kept building the number and a bit like Squidward's number, it just kept building and building and get bigger and bigger and it ended with a kick line that absolutely killed me every night. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, it was a brilliant year playing that role and yeah, fingers crossed I get to play it 
for sure come full years and years <laughs> we'll see yes the the photos of you on instagram uh of you as lumiere in that costume is absolutely it's incredible yeah. i loved it it kind of reminded me of like the squidward costume in a way so it makes sense that you're like you know with the, with the cool costume with the flames yeah, yeah. with the with the extras That's awesome. totally yeah I totally see it well gavin this has been uh, unbelievable and for anyone listening who's like you know a fan or whatever like you all can go check him out right now as he mentioned earlier you know he's currently in sound of music playing uncle uh uncle max uh congratulations on that by the way because you guys just recently opened so it's very exciting stuff and uh yeah i mean this has been brilliant how can people follow you to see you know if you end up playing lumiere here on broadway in a couple years yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, um, at Gavin Lee Official. So follow me. Um, I tend to only put stuff on there that's really about my career, about what I'm doing, about what fun I'm having in the theatre. Um, so yeah, I'd love I'd love people to follow me because uh, yeah, I have a an amazing time. I feel I feel so lucky that I'm you know 30 years into this career that started off for me as a hobby. You know, like uh-huh. nearly everyone that's in showbiz, they did it as a kid, as a hobby. They did community theatre. They did dance class. They, you know, right. I've managed to just keep going and it never gets any easier. You know, I'm, I'm finishing Sound of Music, you know, on January the 1st and there's nothing really in the pipeline, you know, for next mm-hmm. year yet. And it, so it never gets any easier, even though you you've you get to originate some brilliant roles on Broadway and you get some award nominations and things like that it doesn't make it doesn't mean that the jobs land in your lap you know come january 1st i'm unemployed again and i'm a jobbing actor and it doesn't get easier but it's still worth it because when i am putting my mic on and my costume on and i set foot on stage no matter what stage it is around the world um i just get a buzz and i love it and i feel very very lucky that i've been able to make my hobby as a kid my career and so fingers crossed it carries on until my yes. whenever that might be yes oh my god you're you're absolutely brilliant and you're so sweet so i appreciate you coming on here today to talk to us me and everyone listening uh about it all so thank you gavin you absolutely deserve to take a bow this is this has been incredible thank you so much thanks very much you guys see you later bye Take about Gavin Lee. That was so much fun for me to kind of, you know, I've actually never talked to Gavin Lee, I don't think. Um, so to be able to do that on here um, and reminisce about the first time I saw a Broadway show was kind of the coolest thing I've ever done. Uh, it was really, really fun for me to do that. And uh, hopefully you all enjoyed this episode because I've never, like, there are things on here that I learned um, in just talking to Gavin, you know, like he was so humble and so sweet about, you know, he's been very fortunate with the characters that he played and everything like that because they the characters themselves were given these these talents and or or these wonderful pieces and bits that they could do throughout their performance and he was very sweet and it you know you, you kind of forget that you know that there's so much luck that that goes on to it and there's so much um 
you know, fortune that you're so fortunate to be a part of that, that character and to be that role and to be right for that role. It's kind of, it's cool to see how the, the stars align for you as an actor. And so just to talk to him about, you know, how Bert was created with the whole walking around the proscenium of the stage, which was so cool and so fascinating and something I never knew, even as part of the show. And then talking to him about Squidward and how he filmed that and all the things like, y'all, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. And it was interesting because I, I actually didn't even get to to talk to him about he he played Tenardier in Les Mis on Broadway here for, for quite some time, actually, um, for about a year, maybe more. And he said afterwards, he said, it's interesting that we, we didn't get to talk about Tenardier. I know we ran out of time and everything, but people always ask me what my favorite character is. And you didn't ask me that. And I was like, well, I try to stay away from those kind of questions. Like I want to ask the questions that people don't usually ask. And he was like, yeah, I, I, I noticed because you're, you know, anyways, we had like a conversation and he was like, but to to answer that question, it's Tenardier in Les Mis. And it's because he didn't have one of those flashy scenes. You know, he could kind of just be up there and he wasn't killing his body every night from dancing and being upside down and all the things, you know, as a performer every night, eight shows a week becomes a lot. So for him to share that, I, I wish we were still rolling and I had asked him about that on the air, but uh wasn't able to, but that really stuck with me. And uh, it was something that I thought would be pretty neat to share because you forget, you know, as an audience member, you see it once or um, you definitely don't see it eight shows a week. So you kind of forget that they have to do that eight shows a week, you know? And so to just hear that perspective from an actor is pretty cool. Cause he said like, you know, that was his favorite, but it may not have been the most fulfilling for him as an artist because it didn't allow him to do all of his wonderful, express all of his talents that he had. So it was a pretty interesting conversation. And he was very nice to to stick with me afterwards and just chat with me. So everyone go check out uh, The Sound of Music uh, over at the Paper Mill Playhouse, because uh, it looks like an incredible production. So many friends are in it. And I'm definitely hoping to check it out before they close. So um, anyways, that wraps up. I, I, I could continue to talk because I am rambling. But uh, I think we should just wrap this up week's episode because it was a bit of a long one. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Take a Bow. Join us next week. We have a, another exciting guest. So I actually did two actors back to back. For those of you who really like to to hear the actress perspective on the industry and the conversations with all of that, feel free to, you know, continue to listen to these two episodes or, you know, go back through our other 130 plus episodes that we have out there. So next week, just to let you all know, the next two episodes that we have on here for this year's, it's crazy that we're at the end of the year. The last two episodes rounding out this year is actually by two directors and very exciting to share them all with you. And they're great episodes and really, really interesting conversations, especially next week. Very, very interesting perspective on how to direct and how to lead in this industry. And it's just a really, really, really 
important conversation to hear. And with these directors, for those of you who are actors and you're not interested in directing or anything, but it's really good to listen to these directors speak and listen to what these directors are looking for and think about and and kind of what their thought process of the work is. It's really important to do that because you never know if one day that you end up walking into a room and you audition for them. And hopefully by listening to this, you'll gain some insight on how you should prepare for that audition. And it's it's really great. It's really great conversation. So again, come back next week. I really hope to see you there. And uh, as always, stay safe and I hope you all are enjoying the holiday season. Until then, bye everyone. Have a great week. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow are our fabulous editors, Jessica Warren, who edits the audio of the podcast that you just listened to, and Tessie Tokash, who edits the videos and visuals for this podcast. And how about a bow for our executive producer, Chris Griner? And our final bow are extra special to the patrons, Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners of PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com TAB. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe on the platform that you are currently listening to this on, or go check out our YouTube where you can watch the episode. You can also subscribe, like, and comment on there as well. If you're more into the regular social media and want to follow us, you can do that at Take About Podcast across all social media platforms. The music of this podcast was made by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon, and the logo was created by Giselle Bustos. And that wraps up this episode's Curtain Call. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.